You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 56 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and uh, some interesting news to uh, kick, up, kick off the podcast today. Um, longtime co-host of the podcast, uh, Carlos Colazzo, will no longer be with us as a full-time co-host. Uh, Carlos has a job that, he, that will not allow him to do that as his job. It's a good thing, though. Carlos is now uh, on staff at Baseball America as an editorial assistant. Uh, that's a full-time gig for Carlos, so uh, shout-out to him for that. He'll definitely be back around as a guest every once in a while, but uh, as, as part of that, I don't believe he was allowed to uh, continue with Talking Chop, which, which would also include this podcast, so that will explain why it's just me for today. Uh, have no fear, though. We'll definitely be having guests on a regular basis. You will hardly ever have to deal with me by myself, but considering the late hour of this podcast on this fine Sunday, um, because of the NCAA tournament, et cetera, et cetera, some scheduling things. You'll be coming. You'll be coming. Uh, it'll, just, it'll just be me today. Just let's put it that way. It'll just be me uh, and my voice in a mailbag podcast, and uh, we'll probably not be as long as normal. But uh, have no fear. We're taking a break this week from the uh, season preview podcast. We've done those. We've done three of the four so far, covering the bench, the bullpen, and the and the lineup. Last week, uh, the starting rotation preview will come next week. I have a guest lined up for that. So uh, that'll be interesting to uh, get into, but for today, sort of a breezy look ahead at the mailbag and some new stuff as usual, and you're stuck with just me, so please bear with me as we transition. Uh, some Obviously, we'll have some guests on a regular basis, whether it be Scott Coleman, Eric Cole, some long-time uh, you know, frequent guests, uh, you know, people from outside the organization uh, as well. We'll, we'll be uh, poke, poking around, but uh, be patient with me. Give, give me some feedback if you want to do that, and you'll be uh, hearing from me quite a bit in the uh, coming weeks and months as the season is gets getting underway, uh, get, you know, here, here very shortly as we get into uh, mid to late March as we record this. Uh, with all that said, uh, here's some there's, there's some news to get to. Uh, the biggest item on uh, at least for today as we record this is the uh, the fact that the Braves unveiled their uh, their starting rotation beginning on opening day on Sunday afternoon. Uh, no big surprises in the way that that transpired. Uh, Julio Tehran will be the opening day starter for the fourth consecutive season. Uh, again, not a shock at all there that he would be that guy. This is the, he is the third Brave in history to start four consecutive opening days. Uh, after Julio, it will be Bar- it will be Bartolo Colon, Jaime Garcia, R.A. Dickey, and Mike Fulton-Navich in that order. Uh, Fulte is now, I guess, uh, you know, quote unquote, officially a member of the rotation. Uh, if, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, we've been sort of laughing at the fact that he was uh, definitely, you know, pretty much already in the rotation. But uh, now it's official. It seems as the Braves sort of released like a video uh, that was outlining him as well. So we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, for at least at least to start the year, it's going to be those five guys in order. Uh, Julio Tehran was actually smacked around a little bit on Sunday afternoon. It was his first start back 
after reporting back from the WBC. Um, he had, he actually had not pitched in eight days though, so I'm not terribly worried about Julio. And I think you know I think you kind of know what you're gonna what you're what you're gonna get from Julio moving forward. Uh, he's a uh, not one of the absolute uber elite pitchers in baseball, but a very very good pitcher and easily the best pitcher on this staff. So no shock that he'll be number one. Uh, for those of you trying to uh, track down the open day starter for SunTrust Park on that uh, on that Friday in mid April. If, if the Braves do not skip anyone and, and there are no rain outs, it looks to me like it's going to be R.A. Dickey in that opening day start. Uh, obviously, there's some wiggle room there in the fact that the Braves can basically do whatever they wanted to. If they wanted to line up somebody else, they probably could do that. But um, you know, if we're if we're left to assume and by our, by our own devices, it's going to be R.A. Dickey on that opening Friday. So if you pay big bucks, get ready to see some knuckleballs um, flying around SunTrust Park on that uh, on that opening Friday. Uh, with that, also Dansby Swanson returned uh, to the Major League lineup, uh, quote-unquote, for spring training on Sunday after lengthy absence. He did homer in a minor league spring training game on Saturday, so it's good to see him back on the field after about a two-week absence with a strained side. Uh, on Sunday, he was not uh, not awesome. He was 0 for 2 with two strikeouts. Uh, looked looked pretty rusty for those of uh, for the, uh, those of the media that were in attendance. Basically had the same message that Dansby did not look fantastic in that game, but uh, that'll happen after taking two weeks off. So no big worry there, but it's good to see him playing. I was definitely okay with the Braves uh, taking it easy on Swanson in terms of uh, you know being as careful as humanly possible with a guy that is obviously one of your franchise cornerstones now. Uh, hopefully Dansby is now fully healthy now that he's been playing, so he'll he'll have another you know week or two to get up to speed back to 100% and uh, be ready to go on opening day. Uh, otherwise, in the news this week, uh, Micah Johnson, who was uh, competing for a roster spot, we talked about him extensively on the bench preview podcast, but he suffered a fractured wrist earlier in the week. Some of the some of the, some of the team's beat writers, Mark Bowman, uh, David Bryant, even Kevin McAlpin, on the radio side, have openly speculated that, that Emilio Bonifacio will make the opening day roster instead of Micah Johnson. Uh, even maybe not even instead of I think it was you know Bonifacio was at least seen by some as uh, as the favorite, but uh, Johnson was a, at least at least at least to some degree a dark horse to make the opening day roster. He obviously will not be on the team now uh, to start the season considering the fact that he is uh, not going to be healthy enough. With that said, the the Braves also uh, have a uh, at least a reported interest in Angel Pagan, a former uh, Giants outfielder who's now a free agent. Uh, John Heyman though is reporting that uh, that Pagan wants five million dollars for this season, and the Braves really have no incentive to pay that kind of money for a pure fourth outfielder. Although Pagan would, be, would look very very nice as a, as a fourth option um, behind the starting outfield of Enriciarte, Matt Kemp, and Dansby Swanson, but uh, at least as of now, it doesn't look like like that, that probably is going to happen between uh, the two sides, but uh, keep an eye on that. At the moment, I would be more comfortable going with Jace Peterson as the pure fourth outfielder than keeping a guy like Bonifacio. I'm just not a Bonifacio fan. I don't think he's particularly good at anything, So, but you know, the insiders believe that the Braves are going to be keeping him on the round on the roster, at least more likely than not, so um, not, not a huge shock to me that they would do that, considering that you know this organization is so in sort of a track record of liking Bonifacio, but um, for me, I would prefer to kind of go uh, go elsewhere, but um, you know, barring a, barring, barring a last second addition to the roster in, in some way it's going to be a very interesting bench uh, for sure uh, you know probably not in the best way possible but uh, you know moving forward we'll see if anything changes but Bonifacio looks to be more of a lock than he was previously now that Micah Johnson is out of the mix um, with that, uh, with that sort of in mind, there was a, a, a mailbag question. We'll get in the mailbag here. There was a bunch of questions, and I appreciate you guys reaching out to me via the mailbag to sort of fill in the gap on this fine Sunday. 
The first one sort of goes hand in hand with with, with the talk about uh, the bench, and that is uh, from Tyler Garner on Twitter. And he asks, "What does Rio Ruiz have to do to make the opening day roster? Uh, being that he's been pretty good this spring." Uh, that actually ties into a piece that Scott Coleman, uh, frequent frequent friend of the podcast and talking chop writer, wrote earlier this week about. He basically argued that Rio should be platooning at third base to start the season and definitely be on Atlanta's bench at the outset. Um, you know, that, that's something that's something I would definitely be uh, in favor of as well. Um, I think he, even if he's not in a straight platoon, and, and I, I'm not sure how how confident the Braves are in Adonis Garcia, but uh, it would not blow me away if they if they decided to uh, you know roll with Adonis as a more full time starter than not. But uh, I would be okay with a platoon. And uh, either way, I think Ruiz at least at least it's, it's it's at least possible that Ruiz will be the best pinch hitter on this roster. That's a very low bar to clear right now because uh, as we mentioned on that bench preview podcast, the bench bats are really really ugly. Jace Peterson is easily the best bench player on the team, but is not is not, is not exactly known as a great guy with the bat. He's more of a you know a versatile, defensive-minded player, super athletic, but not a great hitter by any means. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that. I would definitely encourage you to go read that piece. And Rio is a guy that I would definitely be in favor of keeping around, even if the Braves elect to go with a uh, with a shortened bench. But especially if they if they if they expand things, I'd like to see Rio get a real good look and see what happens there. Um, moving on to the mailbag, it's sort of in full now. Uh, the first question comes from at Jay Thornbuckle. If you can add any former Brave in his prime to this 2017 team, who would you add, and would that make the team a championship contender? I thought this was an interesting question. There was people arguing about it uh, once they saw the uh, the question uh, on, on our Twitter feed. Uh, I think the obvious ones for me uh, are, are three guys. It's either Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, or Hank Aaron. That's the those are the obvious names. You know, Hank is the uh, you know I, I think no one no one would dispute that he's the best player of the three. Um, even you know Hank, Hank's one of the best players of all time. Obviously, um, the one problem there is that he you know in the outfield the Braves are obviously he's better than anyone they would have had in the outfield. But the Braves are not really like, you know hemorrhaging in the outfield. I would go with Chipper. I think only because third base has been such a weakness for this team recently. But you know Greg Maddox is. Uh, for my money, one of the top three or four pitchers of all time. So if you wanted to add him to the mix, you can't really go wrong here, I would say. As far as uh, whether you would be a, a, championship, a championship contender, I don't think there's a single player that's ever played baseball that would make this Braves team a legitimate World Series contender. I'm of the mind this is probably going to be a team that wins somewhere in the high 70s this year. So if you factor that in and even assume the best of the best, you're talking about maybe a 10-win improvement by one player having their career season, and uh, you know that will only take you to you know mid to high 80s and that's something that uh, doesn't really make you a legitimate World Series contender. So, uh, sorry if that's a little bit more negative than you wanted to hear on that on that on that thing. It'd be a lot of fun if the Braves had uh, Prime Chipper Jones to play at third base. That's for sure with this with this team's makeup. But uh, it would not make them a title contender, most likely at least this season. Uh, Kyle Parmley, a Talking Chop writer and friend of the program, asks, can you ask the Braves to please wear the helmets that they're sporting on Sunday in the regular season? It is very awesome. Uh, yes, Kyle, I will definitely do that. I will make I will make, make some calls to talk to the Braves about their helmets, but uh, they, won't, they won't do anything to help you, but I will try my very best, and I appreciate the question from a good friend of the show. Uh, next question comes from at FSU Brad on Twitter, and he asks, uh, are you surprised the Braves aren't keeping R.A. Dickey in extended spring training for a couple of weeks so they can start the season with a five-man bench and an eight-man bullpen? This is also something that Scott wrote about in that Ruiz piece, so I think it's worth mentioning again here. I'm generally against the four-man bench anyway, just as a concept. Uh, I've operated on the assumption that the Braves are going to keep four on the bench, if only because a lot of the insiders, you know, the Mark Bowmans, the Dave O'Briens, etc., have sort of talked about that as being an option because the Braves are indicating that they want to do that. Um, I would be against that firmly. I'd, I'd much rather see a five-man bench if it was up to me. Um, with that said... 
I'm operating under the assumption that they're going to go with four. Uh, you know, that's not, nothing's final just now. Uh, either way, I'd like to see uh, Ruiz on the opening opening day roster, as I mentioned a second ago. And if, and if, it, if it takes a five-man bench, and that's the only way the Braves have to get Ruiz on the roster, which I probably would disagree with, uh, you know, <laughs> over and out just at the beginning there. Uh, but at the same time, if it takes a five-man bench to do that, then uh, go ahead and do it because Ruiz needs to be on this team, in my opinion. And it has very little to do with the spring. It's good that it's good that he's been good in the spring, but for me, it has much more to do with the fact that uh, he, the Braves need a bench bat, and I think Ruiz has proven enough and is young enough that he could be worth an investment. Even if it's even if it, if they go the straight platoon route, um, Ruiz will be getting a lot of at bats. There is the there is the question about you know not wanting to. Uh, Stunt his development at all by not having not having him face left-handed pitching. I think uh, for me there'd be there'd be enough at bats against lefties in, in pitching situations. Only, if only because the Braves don't really have any bats off the bench. Uh, I will say that over and over again because they just don't. Um, but Ruiz is a guy who's young enough where you can bring him up, try to maximize your potential this year. There's a, there's a good argument in that piece from Scott that the Braves would be better off this season, uh, you know, overall at third base by platooning those two guys and uh, getting him on the team. Whether that means four-man bench or five-man bench will be the best thing to go. But I would definitely go with a five-man bench if I was given the option to do so. Uh, next question uh, comes from Michael Lane on Twitter. He says, if an outfielder emerges um, yeah, it's at some point in the near future, would Matt Kemp or, or Nick Marquez be the more likely to go from the Braves roster? That's a very interesting question, if only because I think there's a lot of different dynamics to, to deal with there. Uh, you know, Kemp and uh, Marquez are both paid uh, handsomely, as you are, if you're, as you are well aware, if you are a close follower of this Braves team. Uh, Kemp, uh, you know, the Kemp deal is an interesting one because the Braves made a lot of, well, actually, you know, sort of received a lot of money uh, back in terms of deferred money, et cetera, et cetera, from from the from the Potters in that trade. But at the same time, it's. He's highly paid. He's 32 years old. He has his contract runs for two more years after this one. Marquez only runs for one more year after this one. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with how well one, one, or, one or both of them plays. I think Kemp's upside is obviously quite a bit higher considering his power potential. Whereas Marquez, I think you're just hoping for him to be okay. An okay starter is his ceiling at this point, in my opinion. Um, so I would I would venture a guess that Marquez is more likely to go unless unless Kemp just goes in the tank. You know, first half Matt Kemp last year, the one that got traded because he was so bad. If that guy reappears, then that could open the door for uh, you know somebody even this year to you know sort of blast through it. The problem is the Braves don't really have that guy in the upper minors. You know, Ronald Acuna is still a year or two away, and he's the only obvious internal candidate to be sort of that next guy in the outfield. You know, Dustin Peterson is a guy who Scott who Scott Coleman loves and a guy I, I, I like quite a bit, but uh, he, he's injured right now, sort of banged up, and that might set him his timetable back a little bit. Even then, Peterson's not exactly profiling as a superstar player down the line, just more of like a solid starter type, maybe if he reaches his ceiling. So we'll keep an eye on that situation. But uh, I think for this year, the most likely scenario is that both Kemp and Marquecas end the year on, on the team, for better or worse. I've often argued that Marquecas should probably be a guy that's on the market. But we'll, uh, you know, the Braves seem to think higher of him than, uh, than I do, which is not a big thing. And again, he's not making prohibitive money. It's only $11 million a year. That's too much for him, in my opinion. But it's not a crazy amount to the fact where it's like sinking you in a league that does not have a salary, at least a really hard salary cap. Like, like uh, this is not an NBA situation where he's, he's killing your flexibility as a team. The Braves have a cap based on spending that their ownership allows them. But uh, Marquecas is not ruining that just with his mere presence in the way that an NBA player might um, with, with that said, we'll go to the next question. Uh, Patrick Mollett asks, if spring training numbers are meaningless, then how can we get excited when a prospect has good spring training stats? 
Um, it's just a delicate balance for me. I think it's easy to say spring training stats don't matter. Um, it's something that I've said in the past and I, that I believe. I mean, I'm not saying they don't matter at all. I just think there's a middle ground as to whether uh, you want to evaluate people based on you know 50 to 100 plate appearances maximum over you know, over a month or so in a weird environment where they're facing inconsistent pitching, et cetera, et cetera. If, and if they're if they're pitchers, whether they're facing uh, you know lineups that are not exactly major league quality. Uh, and it's just there's just a lot of sample size issues there. It's it's always okay to get excited about prospects. You know, we talked about Ronald Acuna a lot last week. Uh, Carlos and I did about just kind of tempering expectations for him a little bit this year based on his red hot spring. But it's it's definitely okay to get excited. I just think it needs to be done within reason and with some sort of context behind it. Um, talking about how a guy's hitting 400 in spring training doesn't really mean a whole lot if it's a bunch of you know BABIP driven singles etc. in uh, in spring training. So you just need to take a, a little bit of a, of a broader approach. It's always okay to get excited about prospects. I'm not a guy who's going to get, you know, get my pom-poms out a lot. I think listeners of the podcast would definitely know that about me. But I, at the same time, it's okay to get excited. Uh, in the end, sports is fun, and we want people to get to have fun. And when a guy like Akuna goes crazy in spring, it's always fun to get excited about a 19-year-old guy that you're hoping for in the future. And with the, with the way with, 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 with the Braves have uh, sort of built this rebuild, it's all about uh, hope for the future and uh, taking taking the uh, high upside approach and wanting everything to come together. And, uh, you know, it might not work out perfectly, at least in the short term, but I, I was definitely on board with that, and it's definitely built on hope. So we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, you know, guys like Akuna, it's okay to get excited. It's just what it's just how much you want to weight that versus how much you want to rate it, weight things in reality is where I'm trying to get that delicate balance. Uh, next question comes from Nicholas Hubbard on Twitter. If Bobby Cox had instant replay like today, how many games would he not have been ejected from? Uh, Bobby famously leads uh, the entire Major League history and with 158 regular season ejections. He had, he had three playoff ejections as well. I think Bobby would have uh, probably been saved a couple of times on replay, but at the same time, uh, Bobby was a guy who sort of uh, famously got ejected for a reason every once in a while. Uh, he was not shy about going in and getting ejected, you know, maybe not on purpose, but to send a message to his team or to the umpire, etc., for him to back up a player. Uh, Bobby was not shy. We'll, we'll say that. So I think Bobby would still be high up on the list if even if even if they had instant replay, although it probably would have saved him at least a couple of those famous ejections. But uh, one of the reasons why Bobby is so beloved, in addition to leading the Braves to so much success, is the fact that he was uh, always willing to go get his players' backs. Players always love playing for Bobby, and uh, you know I won't say a lot of that, but at least part of that is the fact that he was willing to get thrown out of a game and really kind of go at, go at it with an umpire to get his players back. So shout out to Bobby Cox, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, next question for, is comes from Dayton from Nebraska. A great Twitter follow. If you don't follow him, uh, go ahead and do that for sure. Uh, what, what would you recommend sacrificing to the gods so that we don't have to see Emilio Bonifacio in Atlanta this year? Uh, I feel bad, I feel bad uh, saying this kind of stuff about Bonifacio. He's not a good baseball player, in my opinion. Uh, that's just me. Uh, I think it's it's at least possible that he could return some value over the short term because he's done it before. But um, Bonifacio, at his age, he's 31. He'll be 32 at the end of April. Uh, last year, he was not a good baseball player uh, in a very small sample. But even even in um, in AAA, he was okay. He had 37 stolen bases in Gwinnett. So the speed is kind of the only thing you're looking for from Bonifacio. But his positional versatility has always been uh, super overrated, in my opinion, because he's kind of bad defensively wherever you play him, in my opinion. there's At least there, there's been some seasons in which he's performed better than that. But I think in the outfield is where the Braves want to play him most uh, if they were to keep him on the team this year. And he's not 
not a good outfielder by any stretch. You know, being fast does not make you a good outfielder. Shout out to Jose Constanza for proving that point over and over again. But um, Bonifacio, he can't really hit. He doesn't really help that problem on the bench. And I guess he can play the outfield. So that's, that's really the one thing that the Braves will be looking at. Uh, you know, it's, it's that and pinch running for Bonifacio as, as his two selling points right now. And that's not enough for me. But uh, as far as sacrificing things to the gods, uh, pick something that won't kill you because I think he's going to be on the team uh, if all things are equal. With what, knowing what, knowing what, what we know now, I think he's probably going to be there. Uh, next question comes from Bill Miner on Twitter. He says, which pitcher gets the first crack at this point if any starting pitchers get hurt? Will it be Cole Minter being stretched out? Will it be Aaron Blair, Max Fried, Matt Whistler? Who will it be? Um, for me, I, I think it's probably going to be Matt Whistler. If, if something happens early in the year, say if Jaime Garcia, who has a long track record of being injured, um, gets nicked up early in the year, I think w- w- before we see much from anybody else, I would imagine they gave Whistler the first crack, if only because he's been in the rotation for two full years now. Uh, Whistler's not any great shakes, at least he hasn't been recently, and I think I'm pretty down on him, given what he's been showing recently. But he had, he had a nice start this week, actually, for the Braves spring training. Uh, Aaron Blair... Has kind of been a mess, and a guy who I, who I personally wouldn't want to see. Cole Mentor would be the other option. I think it's probably going to be Whistler or Cole Mentor. Cole Mentor, who I'm hoping will be on the in, in, on the team to start the year as the long reliever. Uh, he, he probably will honestly be a better option in a in a one start scenario if you want to just just roll out a guy uh, not, and not worry about you know the long term long term ramifications. I think Cole Mentor is a pretty good pitcher, um, especially if he's not limited to uh, if he's not a guy people are going to see uh, often often enough to get it sort of a full scouting report on. I, you know his, his his unique delivery is an interesting one, and it's, it's been effective over the body of his career. But I think you know gun to my head, I would say Matt Whistler would be the first guy you that you get a shot at. But uh, hopefully we won't we won't have this problem for a little while. Hopefully the starting rotation will stay healthy because um, you know for all, for all the, all the, all the skepticism that I have sort of about the ceiling of Ari Dickey and even Bar. Tolo Cologne at his age. There's some there's some reasons to be skeptical to has to be skeptical, I should say. Um, those guys are probably still better than Matt Whistler and Aaron Blair. And uh, Max Freed is the interesting name on the, that I was asked about on this list, but I think he's a little bit further away. I think we could see Freed by you know by September this year, but uh, I think that anything anything beyond that would be uh, kind of aggressive. So uh, there's that. Uh, before we get out of here, one more question. From Philip Maskey on Twitter, Massey, one of those. I'm sorry, I'm bad at pronunciation, so I apologize uh, in advance if I butchered that. Philip, um, how long is too long to rebuild a team? If the Braves aren't in a playoff race next year, are they officially behind schedule? Um, it's interesting. You know, the Cubs are sort of the model now, and the Astros, those teams took a while, but they also arrived in a hurry when they arrived. Um, I think this year, for me, I'd be pretty surprised if the Braves were in the playoffs in 2017. Uh, if 2018 comes around and the Braves, and we're talking about this in you know March 2018, and I'm saying you know I'm expecting the Braves to win somewhere in the high 70s, low 80s again. That means something's probably gone wrong because I'm, I'm expecting the Braves to spend some money or spend some prospects via trade by 2018 to get this team better on the field in terms of uh, actual roster composition. I think right now, uh, copy in them in a moment of in a moment of truth, they would probably admit. To you, this is not going to be a World Series team this year. So I don't know. By 2018, a lot of it probably depends on what happens this year with, with a lot of guys. You know, Davis Swanson sort of stalls a little bit. The Braves get some down performances from guys like Matt Kevin Nick Markakis. Um, it could get ugly in a hurry. Um, and then uh, you know there, there, are, there probably are not enough guys in the high minors to uh, you know guarantee that the Braves are going to be good, uh, at least legitimately good, like playoff level good in 2018. But if things go well this year and Freeman balls out again and Ender Enciarte does well and Swanson and especially for me the pitching staff in the minor leagues even um, because I think you know as we saw this offseason the Braves prioritized two um, short term run 
Reynolds with uh, with Dickey and Garcia. I mean, sorry, Dickey and Colon, and even Garcia is not locked up long term. So it's one of those things where uh, there's going to be a lot of turnover in the rotation over the next couple of years. Even if the Braves are good this year in the rotation, those guys are all on the older side except for Garcia and even him. He's not signed long term, and if he's if he's good enough to warrant uh, a big time contract, the Braves probably, probably won't be the one to give it to him. Copy's kind of been famously against handing out these monster deals for starting pitchers. So we'll uh, keep an eye on it for sure. That's something I probably said too much on this podcast, but I think 2018 would be a little bit too early to start panicking if the Braves are not going to be in the playoffs uh, by next year, but um, I think if they're not turning the corner a little bit by 2018, you're going to hear the rumblings. I think you'll probably already hear the rumblings this year, to be honest. It'll be unfair, but if we if we look up in July and the Braves are you know seven games under 500, people are going to start getting, going to start getting upset. At least the fans will, because that's what fans do. Uh, it won't be me, in my opinion, because I'm just, you know, it's all about expectations. If you don't think the Braves are going to be that great this year, and they probably won't be that great this year, um, you know, it kind of helps to keep your ex- expectations low. It can be frustrating to lose games, uh, always watch your team lose games, but um, I think this year it's important to keep perspective with just how early in the rebuild this team still is. I know you suffered through a bad season last year and a really, really rough close to the 2015 season, but in general, this has not been a team that's been bad for you know, five, six years, like some of these other rebuilding projects have been. It's been a relatively quick build, uh, and the Braves are doing it in a way that I actually like, and that a lot of their prospects are still far away right now, but they've done enough at the near major league level or the high minor level to maintain some sort of optimism. Uh, maybe not optimism for a title, but at least, you know, competitive optimism. There's at least a scenario where this team wins, you know, 80 games this year. That's definitely, that definitely exists. There's no question about that, and if they do that, that would be a very, very encouraging thing, uh, and that kind of allows you to point toward next season in 2018 uh, with some optimism that's actually well-founded. And, 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 you know, if the Braves aren't arriving by then, if they're not in a playoff race, as this question asks, you know, being in the race and actually being a playoff team are two different things, especially given that the, that, that the second wild card exists now. Um, you're basically in the race. If you're 500 uh, into, you know, July and August, you're definitely in the race right now. Uh, even this year, if the Braves are able to sort of play over their head for three months, they'll be, quote-unquote, in the playoff race. They'll be probably within four or five games as you get into July and August. So that's, I guess, if that qualifies, then it might be this year. So, we'll get, you know, it's something that's it's sort of variable based on, uh, on the rest of the league and just little things and how guys perform. But I would not be too aggressive about thinking that if the Braves are not in the playoffs by 2018, this is some sort of failures. I definitely would stand in opposition to that. Uh, I really appreciate everybody getting questions in. I know this is going to be a, a very, very short podcast when compared to our normal uh, extended length podcast. And given this is one once a week, I understand that. But uh, given that it's just me, we probably won't go uh, too too long tonight, which I understand. Uh, and uh, please, uh, if you're not already, please subscribe to the podcast. I probably should uh, you know get, get get that out there more. Every single podcast episode is uh, listed on PeachtreeHoops.com. Sorry, TalkingChop.com. I'm in basketball mode as I'm watching basketball on background screens here. But TalkingChop.com is where the podcast is officially hosted. Also, SoundCloud is where the podcast goes up from on iTunes. So subscribe on iTunes, check out our SoundCloud page, and uh, TalkingChop.com every single episode on Monday. Usually either 10 a.m. or noon is when the podcast post goes up. But if you subscribe on iTunes, you'll get the post uh, in your feed, uh, You know, generally on Sunday night. But if not, by midnight on Monday, you will have it each and every week. So I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Please continue to give us a chance. Even without Carlos, go on the, go on Twitter and, and flame Carlos at Carlos A. Colazzo for uh, leaving us high and dry. But in all seriousness, I appreciate Carlos's work and he's one of my good friends. So uh, shout out to him for, for getting a job and hopefully you guys will be uh, okay. Let's take 
me for a while. We had a, we had a little hiccup earlier earlier in the year when Carlos was out in San Diego covering covering the Padres. That it was just me. I think we did all right. So uh, that's just me. Uh, hopefully, I'm uh, I'm not tooting my own horn out a little bit there. But I think we have fun on this podcast, and we'll continue to do so. And we'll be back again next week. Uh, until then, enjoy. And the and the season's getting closer, so uh, it's almost baseball season. Uh, even even if as we get through March Madness here, uh, it's it's coming. That's kind of it's, it's every time I've seen a commercial for the Masters, that means baseball's coming. There's more baseball on TV and uh, a new ballpark to get to. So uh, the excitement is real, folks. Baseball is here, and see you next time. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.